Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, back a couple of years ago, uh, Stephanie and I, we, we drove the family down to H-Town, to Echo Park, uh, North Houston, to purchase my, my sleek, stylish, used uh, silver Nissan Rogue. And uh, despite, despite Matt Ulrich calling it my soccer mom mobile, uh, Reggie the Rogue is way cooler than he knows. Wake, he's shaking his head. It's not. It is. It is. Zero to 60 in like 22 seconds. Cup holders. Maybe you've heard a little thing called AC. It's got it. When I <laughs> whoop for that, uh, that's a college student without AC. Um, uh, it's when, when, you, when, you put, when you put my phone up in the dash, it has navigation. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget uh, talking to our, our salesman uh, at the car dealership, Mr. Stacy Myers. And, and in our convo, I, 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 made, it, I, I made it clear. Uh, I, I said, Stacy, like, listen, bro, I just want the car. Okay, I, I like just I, I just want the car. I don't need the one or the three or the five year Echo Park extended warranty package like this. This bad boy is still under Nissan warranty. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't need the fancy cleaning package complete with magical spray wash secreted from like a unicorn saliva uh, or the microfiber towels that are as soft as like a baby puppy. Like, I, Stacy, I don't, I don't need that. I, bro, like, listen, no matter how uh, incredible the slick brochure tried to make all of the extras appear, uh, I, I told him, I said, listen, I don't want the car plus package. Just, just give me the car. <laughs> y'all, y'all ever been there at the car dealership? Um, I don't want the car plus package. Just, just give me the car. Church fam, I don't, I don't want the gospel plus package. Just give me Jesus. Amen? I don't want the gospel plus. See, the, the default mode of man is works-based righteousness. But the gospel says that Christ is your righteousness. The gospel says Christ is our righteousness. And so the the question is, as we dive into Acts chapter 15, is Christian, are you aware of of the gospel plus? Not listen, not just not just in the culture. Are you aware of it even as it infiltrates the church right now? Better yet, are, are you are you willing to confront it? I know that's crazy talk, but are you, are you willing to call it out? Or, or, or maybe you're in here and you've been tempted to, to, to believe uh, that Jesus isn't enough. And, and this morning, 
as we dive into the text, the call is to not only to, to recognize, but to reject the gospel plus. Howard Marshall says that Acts 15, it forms the center of Acts, both structurally and theologically. Church fam, it is an understatement to say, man, this is a, a pivotal chapter of Acts. This is a pivotal chapter of Acts. Compromise here would have set the early church on a completely different trajectory. Like, I mean, completely different. Praise God. Praise God that out of this, uh, the, the first church of circumcision wasn't birthed. Right? Because let's be honest. Ain't nobody want to be a part of that church. Okay? And where do you go? I'd rather not say. <laughs> And the issue was not whether or not God was saving the Gentiles. Man, He was. Like, it was obvious. God was, God was saving. The key issue and the question was, did a Gentile need to become a Jew in order to be saved? In order to become a Christian? Was salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone or were human works necessary to become a child of God? And so I want to jump in and, and, and we're going to look at the gospel plus and, and, and we're going to look at three things in regard to the gospel plus. And the first point I want to make this morning is this. As we look at verse one through three, we'll also look at verse seven. Is the gospel plus it needs to be confronted the gospel plus needs to be confronted. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, confront. <laughs> Listen, I'm not telling you to confront your neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, confront. But it says, some men came down from Judea. They were teaching the brothers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. You cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, I love that, in debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles, the elders, about this question. So being sent on their way, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. And I'll stop right there. Church family, in the timeline of events, it's, it's difficult to say if the events of, of Acts 15 are the same events that Paul describes in Galatians chapter 2. But what, what is not difficult to grasp is Paul's response to the gospel plus. He, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't, he doesn't coddle uh, or cave to this circumcision party. He takes a stand and he confronts bad theology head on. Amen? Head on. And right off the bat, I, I want you to notice something, church fam. These men from Judea, they weren't spreading their, their heresy in the Antioch Starbucks, Right? They, they weren't spreading the heresy at the Antioch Starbucks over casual conversation, right? It, it wasn't just some guys hanging out, drinking coffee. Oh, hey, by the way, man, we need to add some things to the work of Jesus. The text tells us they were teaching 
The brothers. In the Greek, that word teaching is didasko. It means to teach or to instruct. And so this was, this was no informal infiltration. This was systematic teaching and instruction designed to pull the church away from the gospel. Y'all see what's going on here? If you see what's going on, say amen. Listen, we don't, we don't advocate a gospel that, that leads to antinomianism or, or, or lawlessness. Gospel, let me, let me be clear, gospel belief should lead to good works, amen? But that's not the issue here. These men were saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Here's the issue. They were tethering the work of men and man to salvation. And we see, we see God's command to circumcise all the way back the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 17. But, but through God, listen church family, but through God, God was doing something new in Christ. Ephesians 2.15 says this, God was abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And so we see in, in Acts 15, verse 2 and 3, that tells us that Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate. That these, the, I love these words in the Greek, the, the, the word dissension, it's this, this word stasis, and it means rebellion or riot or insurrection. And so like, this was not like a group of dudes with like a little tiff. This was, this was an all out, large scale fight, right? Like, I, I don't know not saying it was like Jerry Springer-esque, but man, it was big, okay? It says there, there, there was a debate. In the Greek, it's this word, setesis. It means a debate, a dispute, or a controversy. And so you say, well, what gives? Did, did Paul, the former Pharisee, did he just have a penchant for seeking out drama? Is that what was going on? No. He understood, he understood something important. That, listen, there's a lot of hills. Some of y'all need to hear this. There's a lot of hills you don't need to die on, right? Can I be honest? Christian, there's a lot of hills that you don't even need to climb, okay? Like, <laughs> come down. A lot of hills. You stick around the church long enough and, and, and you'll you'll hear stories of, of conflict gone wrong, right? I, I, I've heard stories of, of, church, uh, 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 of church fights over the color of the carpet. I, I've heard like legit stories of multiple churches splitting over worship preference and worship style. It happens all the time. I had a good friend, a pastor buddy of mine, who years ago, he went on a sabbatical. While he's on sabbatical, you can't even make this up. He's, he's like getting away to rest and recoup. And his youth pastor formed a coup and took over the church, right? <laughs> Came back, it's like, hey, you're fired. That church doesn't, they, they don't exist anymore. They folded up shop. It's done. 
Some Christians, they, they, they want to fight over everything. Other Christians don't want to stand for anything. But restoration, fam, we go to battle when the gospel is at stake. Amen? We go to battle over the gospel. We got to be willing to recognize and confront a false gospel when we see it and take a stand. A stand had to be made. Verses 2 and 3 reveal that the church, so the church appointed Paul and Barnabas along with some others to make the trek to Jerusalem to settle this, this issue once and for all. And they, so they go and they, they, they're to meet with not just the apostles, but this is kind of a major transition in the book of Acts, but also the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So we see the elders have a prominent place already. And of course, along the journey, like huge shocker, uh, Paul and Barnabas share the gospel along the way. <laughs> they, 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 in Phoenicia and Samaria, they recount God's work among the Gentile. But what, what does all this mean? What's the, what's the application, right? Look at your neighbor and say, application. What do, we, what do we do with this? For some of you, <laughs> you need to quit charging up all the wrong hills, Right? <laughs> You need to quit charging up all the wrong hills. But for others, you're so conflict-averse, you're willing to step off of the truth to preserve peace. And let me tell you this, that's not real peace because Jesus plus is never real peace. Jesus plus is always a pseudo-peace. Similar to Paul's day, there, listen, there is an organized systematic movement, not just within the culture, but even within the church, to pull people away from the gospel. It's crazy. There are folks in mainstream Christianity who are saying that the gospel is not enough. That the work of Jesus, His righteousness, His death on the cross, His resurrection, that that's not enough. And it may not be the addition of circumcision, but any addition that elevates the work of man onto the same platform as the work of Jesus is still as damnable. I mean, if you, if you think I'm being dramatic, Paul said the same in Galatians 1.9. He said, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Paul's words. Listen, I, I, I'm not... I'm not saying that the American church doesn't have work to do. Amen? <laughs> I'm not saying the American church doesn't have work to do. Amen? Amen? It's a lot of work to be done. I've been consistent in saying that the gospel needs to impact not just the heart, but the home and the church and the culture. Amen? But don't, don't, don't get it twisted. The gospel is Christ crucified for sinners and raised. This is what Pastor Matt Prine talked about last week. 
It's not what you do for God. It's what, it's what God has done for us. And when the church can sit by while another gospel is not just being espoused, but is being exclaimed, there's something wrong. Paul confronted the gospel plus. Peter confronted the gospel plus. The question is, Christian, will you? And do you? Second thing this morning, as we look at verse 4 and then 7 through 9, the gospel plus disregards the work of God. The gospel plus disregards the work of God. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the work of God. Let's try it again. Try not to sound so depressed about the work of God. Look at your neighbor, your other neighbor, and say, the work of God. (laughs) That was good. That was good. We'll get in sync on point three. Okay, verse four. Check this out. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and apostles and elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. And then verse seven says this. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to him, Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you. That by my mouth, the the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. See, the gospel plus disregards the work of God. See, verses 4 through 9, church family, they're really giving us uh, the, the, a litmus test for gospel centrality. You, you want to you know how to tell if someone is not gospel-centered? Who are they talking about? Who are they talking about? God or man? Who, who is the hero of the story? God or man, who gets gets the glory? Whose work does everything hinge on? The work of God or the works of man? See, look at the language of the text. Verse 4, Paul Paul and Barnabas say they they, they declared all that God had done. Then verse 7, God made a choice. Verse 8, Peter says, God knows the heart. God bore witness. God gave the Spirit. Verse 9, God made no distinction. God cleansed their hearts by faith. See, the gospel of these Judaizers, it placed the emphasis of, of salvation on what man had to do. These, these outward acts of, of circumcision and law-keeping. And so you, you, you see the contrast between their disregarding the work of God and Paul and Barnabas and Peter's repeated emphasis on God's sovereign role and work and salvation. And notice something. Check out verse 5. I'm going to read verse 5. Check out verse 5. It says this, but some believers who belonged to the party of Pharisees rose up and they said, it is necessary, necessary to circumcise them and order them to keep the law of Moses. See, it wasn't, notice something about verse 5, it wasn't just circumcision. Here you see some believers, that's important, believers, 
These were converted Pharisees. And they said it's necessary, not, not just to circumcise now, but to order them, to order them to keep the law of Moses. Church, do you see, do you see what happens with the gospel plus? Man, there's always more. There's always more. This is why, this is why I despise online surveys. <laughs> Are y'all with me? This is why I despise online surveys. Like you get that, you get, you get pinged with that email, and it's like, hey, we just got a few questions for you. Sounds like super innocent. 20 minutes later, I'm on page 7 of, of a 15-page online questionnaire in regard to my last oil change, right? Yes, Hank, the associate manager, greeted me, okay? Yes, I was offered a, a chilled Sam's Choice water at 45 degrees. Yes, on a scale of 1 to 10, I, I was satisfied with my Pennzoil uh, SAEOW20 synthetic oil. Oh, wonderful, another page of questions. <laughs> Despise them. There's always more. Church. It's the, it was the same with these Judaizers. It was the same with these Judaizers. Must be circumcised. Must keep the, the law. Like all the law. The law. There's always, there's always more. There's always something else you need to do. There's always another rule you need to follow. Oh, there's another piece that you, that you miss to be, to be right and to be righteous. And notice, notice the word order. Man, this is huge. Anytime you have a system of works and legalism, there's always got to be an authoritative group to enforce all the rules. Y'all with me? See, it's not, it's not about obedience from the heart. It's, it's obedience by coercion from the gatekeepers of, of all the righteousness. It's not about a regenerated heart and mind that has come alive by the Spirit of God. Loving God and loving your neighbor, it's about a ruling religious elite imposing all these righteous external standards. And, and, and perhaps, perhaps the key verse is verse 7. Verse 7 and 8. In verse 7, check this out, it, it says this, God made a choice. Now, now in this regard, the, the, the choice is in regard to Peter going and sharing the gospel with Cornelius, but ultimately the choice was for Cornelius and the Gentiles to hear the gospel and respond. Cornelius, of all people, the Roman centurion, the, the oppressor, he's going he's gonna to get an opportunity to be saved? Are you kidding me? And it says God made a choice. And in the Greek, it's this word, eklegomai, it means to choose or to select for oneself. You say, well, well on what basis does God select? And, and what, what informs the choice of God? And the, the answer is the hidden character, wisdom, and purpose, and pleasure of Almighty God. And, and the, reason, the reason we wrestle with this, and the reason that, that we, we struggle to wrap our minds around this, and it assaults our mind and our pride, is because we desperately want to believe that man brings something to the table. 
And yet the scriptures are clear. The only thing we bring to the table is our sin and brokenness. And yet in his abundant and merciful providence, God supplies the righteousness through Jesus Christ. I love that in verse 8, this is what I love about the Greek, the phrase, God who knows the heart, that, 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 who knows the heart, that's one word in the Greek. <laughs> it's the word kardiogonostes. And, and here's what it's telling us. Church family, only God sees the sinful heart of man. And I'll add this, only God can do something about it. Amen? Only God can fix the sinful heart of man is so important, church fan, because check this out. And this is what Peter is alluding to in, in Acts 10, 44 through 45. You have to turn there, but, but, but listen. Before, before Cornelius, before Cornelius and his family could even verbalize confession of Jesus, Check this out. Before they could like even say the sinner's prayer. I don't think that was a thing back then. But before they could, you know, what, what's the A? Admit, believe, confess. Before they could do all that. Before they could, they could even admit their sin. God was moving. They believed. God saw what was going on in their hearts, and He sent His Spirit to regenerate them in a moment to cleanse their hearts by faith. By faith. The Spirit imparted new life, a new heart, sealed them as redeemed by God. Check this out. Before they did a single work. Before they did a single work. Church, it takes a work of God to change the human heart. And I feel like, I feel like we have lost sight of that today. Like we are, we are, there are churches that are losing sight of that. In verse 9, says God made no distinction. See, the gospel is the great, is the great equalizer. Amen? says God made no distinction. The gospel is the great equalizer. Paul later in Galatians 3, 26-28 would say this, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Galatians 3, 27 and 28, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we've talked about this before in Acts. But listen, church, Galatians 3 is not telling us that the distinctions no longer exist. That's silly. That's silly because we see them. That's not what it's saying. Rather, we are no longer primarily defined by our distinctions. Amen? And yet, if you look around the cultural landscape, man, this is all we do. This is all we do. We look, we look first for the distinctions and we seek to define and identify people primarily by the distinctions. Church fam, this is, that is disregarding the work of God in Christ. It is disregarding the work of God in Christ. Christian, the gospel, 
means, Christian, that your primary identity is in Jesus Christ. Period. That's, that's what we see throughout Acts. We see a new people come together as one body of Christ. See, the gospel, the gospel puts us all on a level playing field of dead in our sin. The gospel puts us all on a level playing field of dead in our sin. The gospel exposes the sinful hearts of all people. In the gospel, hear me, it elevates the righteousness of Jesus alone. And, and, and here, here's, here's the application, right? Look at your neighbor say, application. Here's the application. Today, you got preachers, you've got teachers, church leaders, influencers, theologians. They're, they're latched on to all these ideologies with scant biblical support or framework. And they've got, they've got a dozen books to recommend, just not the Word of God. And you got Christian leaders, check this out. Listen to what they're calling you to do. Cut through the noise. They're calling countless people in the church to all sorts of works. But that is not the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is to first faith in Jesus. Repentance of sin. The call of the gospel is to respond to the work of God. The work of God. Third thing this morning is this, as we look at verse 10. The gospel plus leads to more burden. It leads to more burden, not, not freedom. Verse 10 says, says this, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test, Peter says this, by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Now I'll read verse 11. But we believe that we will be saved through, through the grace of our Lord Jesus just as they will. Just as they will. See, this, this, this will be the last we hear from Peter in the book of Acts. And, and, and perhaps Peter's final words are, are, are the most important because he, he, he goes so far as to say that they are testing God by adhering to the gospel plus. Uh, a, a yoke was, was a stable, stable gear placed on the, the necks of animals to harness and control them primarily for, for plowing. And Peter, Peter uses the illustration of a yoke to essentially say, fam, listen, when we were, when we were yoked up under, under, with the law on our backs, man, we failed. Over and over and over and over again. We, we failed. That's all, that's all there was for us. We couldn't keep the law. We've never been able to keep the law. See, Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans 7. The, the law is good. The law is, is righteous. It's holy and good. But sinful man cannot keep its demands. But, but praise God Christ came to fulfill the law. Amen? 
Matthew 5.17. Praise God, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Romans 10.4. Praise God, Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christian, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. See, when you add to the work of Christ, that's not freedom. Let me say it again. When you add to the work of Christ, that's not freedom. That's submitting again to a yoke of slavery. Christian, if you feel if you feel nothing but burden, Christian, have, have you lost sight of the significance of Christ's finished work? Do you know, Christian, when the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, He, he now declares that over you who are in Christ. Do you not know, Christian, that His grace Frees you up, not not to sin more, but to live in freedom and for the glory of God alone. I'll close. I'll close with this this morning, and we're done. Verse eleven, Peter. Peter just lays it. He lays it down. He said, "Listen, we have been saved by grace." Paul would later echo these these words, those same words to. The church in Ephesus, when he said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Church, salvation is a gift. Amen? Salvation is a gift. Can I get an amen? Amen. This past week, we, we celebrated Titus, our, our, third, our third-born's 10th birthday. Big T's hit double digits. Crazy. He is responsible for at least half my gray hair. <laughs> but as with many birthdays, Ty, you know, we, we, get, we, get all the, we get the gifts. Grandparents are giving him gifts. Mom and dad are giving him gifts. And mostly it was just boxes and boxes of Pokemon cards um, I'll be glad when we're out of that phase. Um, but he also got, we, we got him a little, a little Nintendo 2DS, which really just means that now he'll be playing Pokemon while surrounded by a mountain of Pokemon cards. Um, church, the thing, the thing about a gift is, uh, this is going to be super insightful. It's going to blow you away. The thing about a gift, it's a gift. <laughs> You're like, that's deep. The minute there are strings attached, it's no longer a gift. It's something, it's something less. Right? Happy birthday, Titus. You can open this present once you meet these 15 qualifications for being 10. <laughs> what? No. You can open this present because I'm your father and I delight in giving you gifts for being mine. There's nothing you can do to, to earn my favor. You are my son, and I give it freely. Christian, hear me. 
If you, if you are here this morning and you are floundering and you are, you are hanging on by a thread and you're steeped in, in thoughts of guilt and shame and worthlessness and hopelessness, ha, have you forgotten that God loves the worst version of you? Now, He loves you enough not to allow you to stay yoked up to sin and brokenness, but don't get it twisted. You can't, you can't step into sanctification. You can't step into being set apart for God and holiness and righteousness until you rightly understand your salvation. You bring nothing to the table. Neither do I. There's not enough quiet times in the world to blot out the stain of sin on your life. There's not enough works you can work. There's not enough prayers you can pray. There's not enough penance you can offer up. There's not enough remorse and regret to undo what's been done. But praise God, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Maybe you believe that for others, but do you believe it for you? Step out of fear. Step out of finding your identity in your failure. Or maybe some of you finding your identity in your success and understand that Jesus' bloody death on a cross was sufficient. In His resurrection, in His victory, is your victory in faith. You don't need the Gospel plus. You need Christ alone. By grace, through faith alone. Y'all pray with me this morning.